0: channel Spirit of the Heart. My name is Keely and today I wanted to spend some time discussing a topic that I felt being called upon my heart and that is, is yoga a religion and is it therefore compatible with other religious beliefs or practices? I know right, I am going to go there. We are just so scared to open up conversations about anything to do with religion these days because we maybe we're going to get cancelled or we don't want to offend anyone but the thing is these discussions I feel should be something that bring us closer together. At the end of the day I think we're all really looking for something to connect us and to believe in and ironically that's actually what the word yoga means, oneness, union. And the real question is, what are we trying to find oneness or union with? I'm just going to do an incredibly brief and simplified, abbreviated even, commentary on the comparison of how Eastern teachings differ from Abrahamic ones. Now, Eastern philosophy and practices generally encourage people to turn inward and connect with consciousness that... that way there's there's a framework for god but the idea is that one would merge with god by going inward and find a sense of oneness much of eastern philosophy says that we should look inward not upward if we want to find god now this is in contrast to abrahamic religions which do not aim to merge with god but rather walk with god they are not instructed to turn inward so much and dissolve into the void, but instead turn their focus upward and use prayer as a means to commune with God. Things like the Bible and the Quran are texts and scriptures that people of faith will turn to as a guide, not codified texts found in Buddhism and Hinduism. A lot of people are really unsure about whether yoga is a religious practice or not. And from what I can decipher, The answer is yes and no. (laughs) So we can trace the origin of yoga back about 3000 years where it came up in Northern India as a sister practice to the Indian medicine called Ayurveda, roughly translated as life knowledge. It definitely began as a spiritual practice and the belief was that it could lead one to immortality. It seems like this was the age of the rising in philosophy which is present in Greece, the Middle East, China and this, this may have been the time when culturally we actually began to think about the way we think. The texts describe this change in view called the Upanishads and they are the core text behind the Vedanta, the completion of the Vedas the basic philosophy or spirituality of Hinduism today. The yoga practiced then was definitely of spiritual or religious nature. Now fast forward to about the year 200 BCE and you'll find more classical practices of yoga developed by the mystic sage, Patanjali. And he developed the eight limbs of yoga that can still be studied today if you want to. The intention of this practice, as I understand it, is to be liberated from the cycles of samsara, the never-ending cycles of life, death, and rebirth, which is basically reincarnation, and has a conflicting view to people who would practice Abrahamic religions. So in yoga, the sutras, there's no mention of religious matters, specifically, such as the creator of the universe or a particular god, but it does seem to follow a more dualistic perspective. Bear with me here my Sanskrit's average. We have parusha, which is consciousness, and it is trapped by the prakriti, created energy or matter, which is everything in the universe. And we need to do yoga to free our parusha from the prakriti once and for all. This freedom, however, can only be achieved with the body's death because the body was the prakriti. The only way to be liberated is mukti, which is to die in a state of samadhi. For those wondering, samadhi translates to total self-collectedness. So it would mean that you've reached enlightenment and there is nothing more to do. Bye-bye which to me i kind of actually see a parallel being drawn between what if you live a good life you'll eventually become ascended and enlightened and going to heaven the basic message here is don't be a jerk <laughs> fast forward again to 1000 BC and you've got the emergence of hatha yoga this is the form of yoga we see more commonly emerging in the west it's a more forceful physical practice that I think deviates away from the traditional teachings and philosophies to a certain extent um, of the early days of the sutra teachings now although they are often still integrated by many teachers the earlier limbs in the eight limbs of yoga <laughs> as outlined by the panjali are the asanas the poses and breath which create no conflict for someone of a religious faith. This element is no different from someone who has a training routine in, say, basketball. You have to move your body in a certain way to attain a goal, and you most certainly need to breathe effectively to improve fitness. In this regard, yoga could be considered no different. I can understand the issue for many who follow a religious practice may find conflict with the latter limbs, Pratayara, withdrawal of the senses, Dharana, concentration, and Dhyana, the meditation. Meditation though from my experience has often been a means of slowing down the busyness of the mind being totally present in the activity of that moment. In a sense, the sutras mentioned above would be happening organically without any spiritual understanding or intention. If you are trying to follow a complicated sequence of movements, then you will withdraw your senses away from thoughts of the past or the future and bring your focus to the present which is concentration. This is in essence meditation. But I am also conscious of meditation being delivered in many forms depending on the level of the teachers. Potentially visualization meditation and anything that promotes an emptying of the mind could be considered shaky ground for a person of religious faith. I have contemplated if this could be replaced with prayer for those who have a certain religious practice to avoid feeling that there's any conflict with their belief. I would probably say that if it feels out of alignment then you've got to trust that and observe a prayer during any time of meditation instead. I've actually read studies on this and have proven that reciting a Hail Mary or an Our Father have the same effect on brainwaves as a Gayatris, which is a traditional mantra. And again, forgive my <laughs> my Sanskrit translation. I think in this element, one could simply be discerning about how they approach their yoga experience by fully understanding what this belief system is first and using the practice to integrate quieting the busy, thought-driven mind and connect with their God. For many, there is a misconception and just poor education around any type of belief system. I am in that category too. Mainly because we don't spend enough time thinking about it and just desiring to understand it. I think if there's a pull toward yoga, then perhaps there's something underneath that that is a quite yearning for connecting with something deeper than the physical world. I think a lot of people are a bit guarded about stepping into a practice that seems Probably somewhat foreign, and for those who are subscribed to a particular religious practice, this can seem incompatible in many it may also swing in the extreme opposite direction for those who proclaim to be atheist and accepting a spiritual or religious teaching can feel in conflict with that belief too. It's a, it's a question that I've sat with because I don't necessarily think that the philosophy and the practice have to be mutually intertwined. Let's take Pilates, for example, because I teach that as well. Joseph Pilates developed the Pilates method that we use today during an internment at a POW camp in World War I and drew a lot of inspiration from Zen Buddhism. His primary motivation was to help keep weakened or ill prisoners as fit and healthy as he could. What a hero. (laughs) He talks about the principles of Pilates and awareness. Breath and mindfulness are a big part of it. Yet Pilates isn't affiliated with Eastern teachings. He managed to take what he thought was useful from an Eastern practice and peeled away the direct link to the religious or spiritual element of it. Does this fact exempt people of faith or lack thereof from participation in a practice developed by people of influence outside their own belief system? Mm. I've again found this idea very interesting, as I consider if yoga can be taught without the total entrenchment of Hinduism or East teachings. I think it, it can be. Let's take the word Om, used as a chant or mantra in some yoga practices. And As I understand it, this is a universal vibrational sound adopted by numerous cultures and religions. Tibetan Buddhists use the word Hum, the Jewish say Shalom. And for Christians, The first syllable in ah-men is ah. Perhaps what could eliminate some of the mysticism around yoga is explaining what certain words and practices actually mean and why they are included. Saying namaste at the conclusion of a class does not necessarily step into religious territory either. It could seem this way as the word is Sanskrit in origin. But simply it just means I bow to you. One could argue that the use of a Sanskrit word is no more of an issue than learning another language as long as you understand the words you are saying or chanting. I also got to wondering about taking off the shoes before entering a class wondering if there was some element of tradition in this. What I found was that it's simply just polite (laughs) and allows the student to connect more deeply with feet on the ground and brings them a sense of grounding throughout their practice. The concept of grounding is nothing new and whilst it may have been practiced by various cultures throughout history, there's nothing intrinsically religious about the act. I, I personally will avoid wearing shoes at, as often as I can <laughs> because I love the feel of the earth under my feet. The earth pr- emits a certain frequency, 7.83 hertz to be exact and we are sensitive to it and this can help us feel more relaxed and balanced and it does for me. It's it's actually been proven by science. If you were entering a yoga practice with the intention of truly immersing yourself in the spiritual teachings of Taoism or Buddhism or Hinduism, then it becomes important to intentionally seek out Authentic masters who have committed their lives to this way of teaching as with people of faith who will turn to Jesus Muhammad or Abraham to lead their faith a true yoga practice that involves the spiritual Aspects should be led by someone super qualified one This spiritual world isn't just it's not something to be entered into lightly or with a terrible guide Like any form of movement and exercise, I don't think yoga should be intended to be viewed as something exclusively for a certain body shape or belief system, unless it is actually promoted as such. What I mean is that most people who teach yoga in the West They don't practice observed traditions through Buddhism, Hinduism, and the like. It should be honored and valued, not trendy. I have met and practiced yoga with some very masterful teachers who lean into the more traditional Eastern philosophies of this such as non-duality, and they've taken the time to explain the reasons and meanings behind many of the poses, mudras, and so on. But those teachers have been promoted as saying, having such a deeper level of practice and teaching that you trust them, and I believe that many in the West just don't have that A lot of people still have concerns and fears and reservations around yoga being too woo-woo and new ageist, which I think is fair. When deciding to move into a yoga practice, it should begin with discernment about what it is you actually believe in and what you are seeking by coming to the practice. And if you don't know the answer, then that's exactly where you start. The point I'm moving toward is not that everything developed by another culture is bad. It's just that for many there's a total lack of understanding where your own belief system lies that can make yoga seem incompatible or dangerous. I have always found that when I go into a yoga practice I need to spend time becoming clear about what my intention is stepping into it. In this, I can lay the foundation of being able to turn my attention inward and help gain clarity around what it might be that I'm feeling in overwhelm or if I'm unclear. Yoga practice can be a time of recognizing how the outside world has penetrated our inner world and actually allow for capacity to release or resolve that issue. And yoga teaches us that when we are quiet, we can ultimately hear God. And that permeates across all teachings, religious or not. I believe that I have the right to tell anyone else what to think, feel or believe. This is an individual contemplation and they need to decide what their values and beliefs are. Not me. but I have a deep love and passion for all types of movement and I think that we should honor what it is that is the essence of that particular form of movement, whether it is boxing or yoga or dance. And I think that if you are going to enter into a really deep practice, um, you do need to seek out the best teachers and if you are a teacher yourself that is not fully, you're not living the Eastern practices or you're in conflict because you actually have different belief systems, then just use the practice, use the movements, use the the physical benefits, speak to this, speak to what you know and don't step into what you don't. So all up, all I can say is be discerning be completely sure about what you it is that you want from your practice and step in with an open heart and open mind. So I'm going to say Namaste, I bow to you, Amen, which means I agree. <laughs> Do So thank you, thank you for watching, if you've come this far, like, comment and subscribe to my video. It means a lot to me. Um, I'm just starting out, so this is great. Thank you. Thank you so much.